Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea through to the League Cup semis after subs take the sting out of Brentford. We look ahead to the festive fixtures, reflect on the best of 2021 and flip the script on our weekly quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic for the final time in 2021. This is Straight out of Cobham. we go then gang one more round for this year before we hang up our microphones given it's our final show of the year unlike Chelsea we've got a full team out today Liam Toomey's here I'll neither confirm nor deny that I watched last night's game on an illegal stream all I'll tell you is completely unrelated fact that I now know the correct Portuguese pronunciation of Jude Sunsuk Bell okay you got to do it then it's disappointingly similar Jude Sunsuk Bell Mm, yeah, that is quite disappointing. Um, Dominic Fyfield, can you can you possibly follow that? I don't think I need to, to be honest. Anything I say is better. Uh, Simon Johnson is also with us, festively attired. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Looking like a sad Santa. Uh, also completing our quartet is Sam Park. Good morning, Sam. Oh, what fun it is to see Chelsea win away! Oh. Oh, very good. Yeah, we're in the spirit, listener. Uh, incredibly... I think I want, I want out. Chelsea's <laughs> League Cup quarter-final with Brentford went ahead on Wednesday. Uh, we'll reflect on that next. Surely to win it. In it goes, and on Chelsea go. Brentford nil, the Blues two. Semi-final, here we come. I think it was brilliant from A to Z. Uh, we had some young guys, we had some guys who had not many minutes uh, uh, lately who came back from injury and, and they did very, very well. Commitment uh, to the competition and to the game was, was fantastic and I'm so happy that they, they, they got this deserved win. Brentford nil, Chelsea 2 then, the Blues leaving it late to book their place in the League Cup semi-finals. A Pontus Janssen own goal and a Jorginho penalty, both in the final five minutes, enough to send the Blues through. Uh, Simon, you were at the Brentford Community Stadium and your post-match piece for the Athletic, unsurprisingly, was about those three teenage debutants, Xavier Simons, Jude Soonset Bell and Harvey Vale. Let's talk about them first. I think Vale was, was quite clearly the standout of the three. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I thought he, he looked pretty, pretty um, dangerous in that sort of left number ten role. Um, you know, Simon's sort of had his had his moments at right wing back, but was also caught out a few times defensively. But I like the way that he kept his composure at times when when he was caught out. He didn't dive in needlessly. Um, Jutsons up Bell. There were a couple of nice moments in the opening exchanges. But Vale Vale looked looked the class act of the three. But but as I point out in my piece. Um, for all three of them, neither of them were in their best condition to to play at their best. Uh, Soon's up, Bell and Vale have both been ill, uh, not with COVID, but with sort of flu-like symptoms, and that they'd only started training again on Monday. 
So it was quite impressive that they were able to go out there and and play against what was quite a strong Brentford side at all. Um, and Simon's, of course, um, not sure whether he was ill or not, but the academy building was closed for a week anyway. Um, so for the three of them to come in, I, I didn't think they disgraced themselves. And, and I make the point in the piece that given the fixture list, which we're going to come on to in, in January, one would think that those three will all get a chance to, to do it again against Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Oh, well done for sticking to the Portuguese pronunciation of, of Sunset Bell, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, Sam, you've seen more of these three than, than uh, any of us, really, I think. Uh, vale, I sort of wondered if he might play left wing back, because we've seen that a few times for the 23. Simons was definitely out of position, wasn't he? So so particular credit to him for, for going and playing that role. And, and as, as Simon says, Sunset Bell not feeling very well. Pretty impressive for, for him to make his debut at the age of 17 as well. Yeah, and we haven't even touched on the nerves that they would have been experiencing yesterday, like like no nerves that they would have encountered before in their lives. So um, credit to all three of them. Soonsop Bell has been well short of his best as well, I think is a, a point to make this season. Yes, he's had illness and injury, but he's been a shadow of the player of last year until the recent games when he scored a couple of brilliant goals. Um, Simons is obviously working his way back from a serious injury and been playing brilliantly in central midfield um, for the under-23s. So to play out a position last night against, I think, Rico Henry potentially going to be an England squad, in an England squad, I would say, at some point, and um, very experienced championship player. So he had the toughest job of the three. Um, and Harvey Vale... If you look at the form this season, consistently, he's the best player in the under-23s. He's creating, always good for a goal. He's been involved with the first-team squad already this season, so we shouldn't be too surprised at how it probably played out. And um, they would have, I would imagine, only had Tuesday on the training ground to walk through one a few things. So there would have been a lot of, there would have been a lot of stuff going on in their minds, those, those young players. So I think they were a credit, really, uh, given all those circumstances. So that was the kids, Lee. And what about the fringe players? How did they get on? I'm thinking of your Sars, your Sauls, your Barclays. Yeah, so it certainly wasn't um it, it certainly wasn't quite as chaotic as some recent Chelsea games. Um they were a bit more solid defensively. I thought um Trevor Chalibur actually played a key role in looking after Chelsea's back three from the middle position. We haven't really seen him play that role as much. Um, Malang Sarr had a couple of moments. He generally has a couple of moments in the 90 minutes where he switches off and, and no doubt gives Tuchel heart palpitations. I think he gave up a free header at the back post a couple of times just by losing his man. But he was, he was good on the ball and... You know, I thought Chelsea were were generally solid enough um, in the second half defensively. I thought they were better than the first. Barkley is just kind of Barkley at this point. <laughs> he he does he does some good things, and then he does some things which uh, which make you tear your hair out. Um, he's yeah, some of his corners were terrible. I didn't really understand why when Mason Mount came on, Barkley was still on corners because there's there's such a clear difference in what they can do in those situations. But they, they, they all did enough to get Chelsea a win with a clean sheet, which I'm sure was, was Tuchel's priority going in. 
Uh, Dom, I thought Thomas Tuchel used his, his substitutes bench really well here. Obviously, it helps if you've got brilliant players on it, but but the timings of the subs seem to work out perfectly. We we know he's a, a big fan of of being able to make five changes in a match, which you can do in the cup. Do you think that this manager's meeting, which is happening today as we record, he's going to be a voice saying, "Why don't we introduce this for the for the next couple of weeks at least in in the Premier League too?" Yeah, I suspect he will be. I suspect that that issue will crop up again. He mentioned it post-match last night as well, that it would be advantageous, um, especially in this very, very cluttered schedule with the particular pressures that COVID is placing on everybody um, for the five substitutions rule to be implemented. And, and yeah, he, you know, he, he he did use them well. The, the five players thrown on, all, all senior players, all all made an impact. I mean, one of those was N'Golo Kante, who he he suggested was his involvement at all, or playing 90 minutes at the weekend had been borderline irresponsible, to quote him. Um, and he was there was absolutely simply no way that he was going to be in the squad on Wednesday night. Well, he came off the bench and actually arguably made the biggest impact of all. Um, and, and, you know, Brentford, a tiring Brentford, never got close to him in that 14 minutes he was on the pitch. So it does show the... It does show the, the resources at Chelsea's disposal if they can use them. Uh, Simon, we know it's going to be Spurs in the semi. How likely do we think it is that that's going to be reduced to one leg? Was there any talk about that? I know Jurgen Klopp was kind of straight batting it, saying, oh, I don't really mind, whilst giving the impression that he sort of does mind and would rather it was, was one leg. Is, is that the feeling from Chelsea as well, do you think? Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't raised last night. I'd, I'd be very surprised at this very late stage um, if the EFL sort of want their sort of... I mean, this is the sponsor's dream, these two semi-finals. Why, why would they want to help the clubs out? This is what they want. You know, dream semi-final, Chelsea Spurs, Antonio Conte um, returning to Stamford Bridge. And then, and then, of course, Chelsea having to play the second leg away. Liverpool Arsenal in the, in the other round. Um, yeah, they, they may... It, it may get raised as a... And I think there has been a slight discussion point about it since since the draw, but I, I really can't see it happening um, because yeah, why would the if why why would football help out football? Basically, you know, flog them until they drop. That's what I say. It's so it's so sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Amusing. We'll go for listening to you make serious points in a Santa hat. I've got to say, <laughs> it's really making my Christmas so far. I think you could have just ended it at making serious points. <laughs> Santa hat is immaterial. Uh, right, that was the League Cup then. As Simon says, that we have to wait long till the semi-finals. The first leg will be in the first week of January. Next today, though, we're going to have a look ahead to Chelsea's Premier League fixtures, which may or may not happen while we're away. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Next three games then, scheduled to be Aston Villa away on Boxing Day, Brighton at home on the 29th, and Liverpool also at the bridge on the 2nd of January. Uh, Villa-wise, Steven Gerrard said in his press conference on Wednesday of their COVID situation, we have mixed news. We've had a couple of situations with the testing, but we also get a couple of players back. If the game was now, we would have enough players to carry the fixture out. 
Uh, Dom, I think this looks like a, a really difficult game. And I'm saying that partly because Villa will have had a couple of weeks off and we saw how beneficial that was to Spurs at the weekend when, when they played Liverpool. It looked like they'd had time on the training ground to kind of work stuff out. I guess it could go the other way. It all depends on the, the severity of the cases, which is something we never really know. Absolutely. And whether the training ground's even been open um, it comes into that as well. But look, I mean, Aston Villa now under Gerrard with four wins out of his six games in charge are a very different um, type of challenge for Chelsea, given that the two matches that they've lost in that six-game six sequence were very narrow defeats to Manchester City and Liverpool. It's, um, that, that's going to be a real test. And yeah, if, if, if Villa, depending on who is available to them, if, if they do come into this relatively fresh, um, then it will be a stern test of, of Chelsea. They, they, they swarm all over teams when they're at their best. They've got a very fluid front line, a very industrious midfield and a very tall and impressive and imposing back four. So, or back three, sometimes they've been playing as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult game, that one. And a, a difficult game to, to spark off a very difficult five weeks of fixtures for Chelsea. Yeah, beaten at Villa Park on the last day of last season, uh, you'll remember. Hey, Sam, here's a horrible question for you. Who do you think is going to make a better manager, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard? <laughs> um, Steven Gerrard. Okay, would you like to expand on it? <laughs> um, I think Lampard moves in circles where he may get involved in some other business interests. You know, I think like, you know, in that pub that he, does he own a building in Chelsea? I think that's um, part of a pub. You know, I think yeah, he may. Chelsea pig, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to be as desperate maybe now that he's had that that run at it to um, to get back in as as quickly as Steven Gerrard maybe would do if he was to lose a job. I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a hunch for you. That's an interesting answer. Uh, so after Villa then, Brighton at home. Simon, it feels like a lifetime ago that this was the game where effectively the Super League collapsed around Chelsea last season, wasn't it? With the protests and Petr Cech trying to calm everybody down and Graham Potter using words like oligopoly in his uh, in his pre-match press conference. Different times. Different times. Um, might be a good time to play Brighton, more importantly, for, for Chelsea. Like if you're looking at the, the, the fixture list ahead, Brighton has sort of had a bit of a sticky patch after starting the season so well. And you know, coming back off Villa and then the games that follow in the new year, it's 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 a huge opportunity to get a much needed win going into that that run of games. But um, but yeah, that does seem like a a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Not not just because the sun was shining. Um, Petr Cech being that animated, I mean, that takes something to uh, to get Petr Cech to to come out and uh, you know come out of his area and. Uh, <laughs> Try and keep control of the situation. Normally, he's, he keeps very much in his area. Sort of work. Don't know what it? I'm talking about, to be honest. Um, Moving on. Yeah, I, I kind of got you. Lost it a little Suddenly bit. Suddenly, the Santa the hat does make sense. <laughs> um, Liam, Brighton, are they the most overhyped team in the Premier League? <laughs> at the time of recording, this is brilliant. They, they've won four games all season in the league. The last of them was in September, and everybody talks about them like they're 1970 Brazil. Are you trying to get me into trouble with Andy Naylor? This yeah. is superb. <laughs> and an entire fan base. Um, well, I don't know. I've I've often thought of Brighton as the bottom half Chelsea uh, in terms of the way these team way these teams play. They press well. They pass well. They don't score enough. They don't score enough of their chances. And I actually think 
that's why Brighton have given Chelsea trouble in the last few meetings because they've got a style that means they they play the big teams quite well. They do a lot of the the things that good teams do, um, and they just I don't think there'll be many goals in that game. Um, I, I, I was interesting. I was at that game when the Super League collapsed. Still one of the most surreal games I've ever been to, and. Chelsea's players played most of the match with the same expression that Petr Cech had as he as he was confronted by the angry horde <laughs> on Fulham Road. They were just completely shell-shocked and their heads weren't in the game at all. I think at the very least we can expect a bit more focus this time. But just looking at those three games kind of in the aggregate, I think if Chelsea gets six points, they'll have done well. In just get it might not be enough, you know, to maintain them on a title winning trajectory, but just in the context of these three games, based on everything Chelsea are dealing with right now and the chaotic nature of what, what's happening with different clubs and the fixture list, I think six points would be a pretty good return. So, Liverpool have got Leeds and Leicester to play before they meet Chelsea, Manchester City at home to Leicester Boxing Day, then away at Brentford, then they go to Arsenal on New Year's Day. Chelsea can't really afford to drop points against Liverpool, can they, Dom? Given given the fact that they are six points behind Man City at the time we record, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen against Aston Villa and Brighton, but but you don't want to let those two above you take points from you when you when you're playing catcher. No, and the, the, I think the reality is that I mean, Tuchel suggested this after the Wolves game as well. Those those three damaging home draws um, that, that Chelsea suffered in the build up to the point at Wolves mean that they really have to win these two matches against Manchester City and, and Liverpool, starting with Liverpool at the start of January. They, they have to win them if they want to be in real contention for the Premier League title. They're, they're still, they'll still be in the race with, with a draw. They'll still be there and thereabouts. But I just, it feels as if that gap is already looking, it's, it's, it's yawning a bit. Six points to City is, is ominous, given City's recent form, eight wins on the bounce and striding away. And, and the way Liverpool can play as well, and we know they can go on these, these impressive bursts of, of victories they'll have Van Dijk back probably they'll probably have Fabinho back as well they'll be a very different again a different challenge they'll have a different a bit more strength and a bit, a bit more recognisable from the side that played at Spurs last weekend so again a very difficult fixture but one that Chelsea have to target maybe that means that they have to prioritise that in terms of um, getting by you know against Brighton they, they, they'll need the win there they, they, they almost back themselves into a corner in terms of the in terms of the title race, they need to to stretch out again with with victories, and it's it's a it's a big ask. I guess the other thing we don't know about these games is how many of them are going to be played with full capacity stadiums, or indeed anybody watching them. Uh, right, Liam. So you've said six points from those three games would be a good return. Uh, Sam, how many do you think Chelsea will get from Villa, Brighton, and Liverpool? At the moment, four. Okay, and what are you saying? That's beat Brighton and draw at Villa, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> the, de- the delay is quite hilarious. It's like, um, it's like you're reporting from, I don't know, an embassy siege in 1974. Just the suspense, followed by the one <laughs> yeah, so What's he going to say? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, listener, let's hope all those games happen and happen safely. If they do, we'll round them up upon our return.
Now then, 2021 was quite the year for Chelsea. They were voted the best club at that nonsense award night the other week. Uh, more pertinently, the men's <laughs> team won the Champions League and the women completed the domestic treble. I've asked the chaps to come up with their moments of 2021, so let's reveal those now. Uh, listener, you'll never guess what Liam's gone for. And it's still evenly poised as Mount plays it through the middle to Havertz. Anderson comes out. Havertz has beaten him. Havertz scores for Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel's side are in front. And it's Kai Havertz, one of Tuchel's big calls to start the final. Uh, Liam, it's the obvious pick. You were there that night and it was your hero who scored it. So it must be quite a moment. Oh, just, just the memory of of Edouard Mendy floating that ball out to the left-back spot, Ben Chilwell cushioning it off first time into Mason Mount on the half turn. Mason Mount looking up, clipping a perfect pass. Timo Werner's made a brilliant decoy run out to the left, utterly selfless, opening up a sea of space through the middle of the pitch for who else? Kai Havertz to run in. Sees Edison rushing at him. Does he panic? Does he? Does he really? Um Perfect touch. Slightly, deliberately, deliberately cushions it off Edison's hand so it just stops the ball and wins the Champions League. Uh, yeah, an, an incredible moment in Porto. That that whole um, that whole game, still one of the, yeah, probably the most amazing stadium atmosphere I've ever been a part of um, just because of everything that was on the line. You could feel the anxiety of Manchester City from the first minute but kind of really grow after that Havertz goal. Um, and you could actually feel the anxiety of the Chelsea fans, but not the players, strangely. It didn't translate to the pitch. And it was just an, yeah, an amazing match to be at. Um, and an, obviously an amazing result from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, Sam, your pick also comes from that memorable Champions League run. Can't say too sharp for Nacho. They're in again here, Chelsea. It's Christian Pulisic. And finally it's in. And it's scored by Mason Mount, who's Chelsea through and through, who's come through the academy and he's just scored the goal to take Chelsea to Istanbul and the Champions League final. You can book your tickets because Chelsea are on the way. Yeah, I've gone for Mason Mount's uh, goal, the second against Real Madrid in the um, the home game at Stamford Bridge, which I covered with uh, producer Lucy for BBC London from the comfort of my front room. and. Um, it was such a complete performance, thinking back. They absolutely dominated, battered Real Madrid. But there was still that sense, if that second goal didn't come, that they may get bitten. And I think that was because Hazard was playing and Courtois was playing. And despite them being pretty woeful, I still wasn't comfortable in that second half. And I remember Mason Mount missed the one-on-one. Kante missed a one-on-one. Havertz, I think, hit the bar twice. And he just felt, is this going to be another one of those Champions League nights uh, where they get pegged back? Um, and fortunately, that goal came and the celebrations were wild. I was a little bit loath to go for a game behind closed doors, but I just thought that celebration was was amazing and brought an enormous amount of relief. So, yeah, great moment in what was a um, pretty naff time for football with no punters there. Yeah, and a great moment too uh, for the Chelsea Academy. And speaking of Cobham kids, that brings us to your choice, Simon. Shoot over edge to shoot. So he yes! How about this? Trevor Chaloba on his Premier League debut. His first Chelsea goal. It's a beauty. It's a moment. It's wonderful. 
Yeah, I'm going with um, Trevor Chaloba's goal in his Premier League debut against Crystal Palace, Dom. Um, and the reason I actually picked this I, uh, when we were discussing this on the on the WhatsApp chat, I, I should have picked this anyway because I've done a review of the year and I've made this my moment of the year. So why on earth I didn't think of it straight away? I don't know. Um, but the reason I I I liked it, and of course the caveat being Champions League taken out of the equation. Is that it was that it was that moment where you see a boy's dreams becoming reality, and it, it and I think anyone that was there sort of we've all had that dream. Some's been more realistic than others um, of of playing at the highest level and scoring a goal and what that feeling would feel like, and to see what it meant to Chalaber as he collapsed to the pitch, uh, collapsed to the ground rather, and, and being surrounded by his teammates. Um, and of course, Chalobah himself is one of the stories of the year. You know, no one saw this coming back in the summer, certainly earlier in the year when he was on loan at Lorient. Um, I just think it was a, a fantastic moment that that everyone at the club and and all the fans have, have celebrated ever since, really. And he's gone from strength to strength. Yeah, and it was particularly brilliant because it was the first Premier League game with a full Stamford Bridge since the pandemic yeah. as well. And it was a nice way to to top that off. Uh, Dom, we're going back to Brentford for your moment, one which you witnessed live and in living colour. Opportunity here and what a save by Mendy to deny Godos. Gilgerton stay forward, it's Janssen! Mendy, a point-blank save. Janssen cannot believe it. Five, six in the middle. And Mendy again, justifying his man of the match reward. That was travelling really well, but Mendy reached up, turned it over. Yeah, you wouldn't normally think a 1-0 win at a newly promoted team uh, would constitute a moment of the year for Chelsea. But for, for me, it was it was a special... It was special to be in that ground. It was six, there were under 17,000 people in the stadium at the community stadium at, at Brentford. But the din was unbelievable. Um, and it's really those last 23 minutes. Because Chelsea were, were 1-0 up and comfortable. But for the last 23 minutes, the, the, the battering to which they were subjected by by newly promoted opponents was quite something. And for them to emerge unscathed really sums up the sort of tenacity that that Tuchel has instilled in this Chelsea team. We all hark back at the r- ridiculous number of clean sheets that they keep. Um, but that was really the Edouard Mendy show. I mean, it was his, his keeping that day was absolutely sensational. I mean, showcasing abilities of somebody that had come over and been unheralded particularly when he when he came over from from Ren and, and and my word he he excelled himself that day and really summed up his his brilliance as a as a Chelsea player and it was a, a hugely impressive one nil away win with a makeshift back three and uh the best goalkeeper in the league at the time by a country mile been lots of really good moments up there in 2021. Um, I'll wrap things up. I've chosen Frank Kirby's goal against Bayern Munich in the second leg of the Champions League semi-final at Kings Meadow back in May. It was in stoppage time and it was seconds after Bayern had nearly scored a goal, which would have knocked Chelsea out. Uh, they'd sent everybody up for a corner. Kirby got the ball midway inside Bayern's half and could just run it into their empty net. And, and very much like with the with the Trevor Chalaber goal against Palace, just the, the expression on her face was really what sold it because of everything, obviously, that she'd been through, injury and illness-wise. It was um, it was a special moment in the celebrations on the touchline too. Now they're clear, now they're away, now they can surely finish it! Frank Kirby, it's in! Chelsea! 
Chelsea didn't win that final, of course, but it was uh, part of a glorious season in which they won all three domestic trophies. Right, producer Lucy and I have been in a cold sweat for weeks since this idea was floated. Uh, She and I are going to be the contestants in our final quiz of the year. With much trepidation, I therefore hand over the role of Quizmaster to Dom. (laughs) And Lucy has to come on mic now. (laughs) (laughs) Hiding in the background. Oh my God. For the the listeners, we now have a picture of a very young... Lucy going to an away game, I think, um, <laughs> way back in the day. Is that with your brother, Luce? Yeah. No, that is my godfather's okay. son. Thanks very much, Andrew Rowley. You're not my friend anymore. <laughs> <Bit> uh, <harsh. laughs> so we're going to do, we, we've each got um, a question for each of you. We'll go through them um, in sequence as normal. So uh, we'll kick off with with Matt, um, who we all know you've been, uh, your head's very much at, at Stamford Bridge these days, but your heart is at the city ground. So there, there may be a bit of a Nottingham Forest flavour to some of these questions, possibly. That's Question one for you, Matt. get them wrong then, isn't Yeah, it? well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no now excuses you know here. how we, well, how some of us feel. <laughs> yeah, some, some. Question one for, for Matt. Uh, which Nottingham Forest player with connections to both Chelsea and Chelsea's opponents on Boxing Day, Aston Villa, swapped shirts with Diego Maradona after the Argentinians scored a stunning goal for Barcelona in the pre-season Juan Gamper trophy win over Brian Clough's side back in August 1983. This feels like the basis for an athletic long read that's just been (laughs) repurposed as a question. The player's got connections to Aston Villa as well. Yeah. Chelsea, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest. Because uh, the obvious answer, which is obviously not the right one, is Steve Hodge, because he got the shirt from Maradona in 86, right? Not Barcelona in 83. So I am going to guess... Oh, man, this is really difficult. Um, 83, I was only one. Um, <laughs> who played for Forest and Villa? I put, put Chelsea as well. Oh, I don't know. Peter With. No, do you want to steal, Luce? Um, let me think about that one. No. <laughs> the answer was Kenny Swain. Oh, he's going to be my next answer, Swainy. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't have got that. It was going to be your Kenny next Swain. answer. <laughs> yeah. Over to you, Luce. Uh, I was going to ask you a question about your first home match um, supporting Chelsea, but apparently you were quite a regular from the age of two to about five when your dad used to drop you off at the crash in the East and Lower. Apparently you were very, very, very well behaved and always allowed back in, which is which fits the, the bill, obviously. But I should just preface, I will be kicked out at Christmas if I do badly at this. My dad has already told me, so just bear that in mind that you are about to ruin someone's Christmas when I get every single question wrong. Oh, well, you know, it's Christmas. Um, I'm reliably informed that your first away game was a 4-0 win at Leicester City at the age of nine back in January 2004. Which two players in Chelsea's ranks that afternoon, are still employed by the club. Oh, for God's sake. Oh! Okay. Oh, no. Okay, one of them, Kudicini. Half a mark. Oh, my God, I actually feel physically sick. Um, 
This is beautiful. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> it's my favourite quiz of the year. Um, 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 um. Wait, 2004? No, 2005. January 2004. I mean, you were there. You should remember, really. <laughs> Wait, it's not a trick question. It's I don't know when Czech joined because I don't remember stuff like that. Um... Can I just... I'm going to tap out gracefully for half a point. Okay, Matt, Matt would you like that? to steal half a point? Uh, is it Paolo Ferreira? No, it was... Uh, Claude Makaleli was the other one. Oh. I didn't know... What does he do? I didn't know that. He's, He's a lone mentor. Known. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not bad. I'll take half it. I'll take it. Roaring into an early lead. And I'm going to hand over questions now to Sam, if possible. Okay, Matt. Uh, John Terry famously had a spell at your Nottingham Forest in uh, 2000. He played six times. Uh, I want to know who did they face uh, in his final appearance? It was a 3-2 victory for the Reds. I mean, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> I saw every one of those six games. Uh, he played alongside Matt Upson for about half an hour in one of them. There was a game where he, I think he had Ian Wright up front, David Platt in midfield, John Terry and Colin Coldwell at the back. This is all me filling for time. I can <laughs> happily give you, I'll happily give you a clue. Okay. Um, they are now non-league. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, Grimsby. I thought you'd go for that. Incorrect. It's uh, oh. Stockport, Stockport County. I would have got that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Luce. I've got you a much easier one. Um, your BBC 606 colleague and uh, former Chelsea flop, Chris Sutton, famously as a cat <laughs> named after Mark Pugach. But which former Chelsea striker... Famously. <laughs> but which former Chelsea striker and world player of the year does he have or had a pig named after? Oh. Lucy's questions have been so much easier than mine. I didn't know he had pigs. I know he had horses and like 20 dogs. Um, world player of the year striker. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a clue? How old? He won no, the World Player I of the think, Year. So that's the clue. <laughs> he is current um, president of his um, of his country, oh, I believe, or has been. Oh, that's pretty much giving the answer. <laughs> Poor Matt. We're not going to be able to watch the Instagram uh, uh, tiebreaker at this rate. <laughs> no, we will. <laughs> uh, I don't know. His, no, George Weyer. Is that his name? Correct. She shoots, she scores. Half a point. There's going to be an inquiry after this, by the way. You may as well have made the clue. His first name rhymes with Porge. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Well, so that's a halfway point in the quiz. Um, I I was going to go to to Lucy to ask for the scores, because apparently (laughs) back in the day, uh, when a dad's pre-match routine would, would involve a visit to the Anglesey Arms in South Kensington, an eight-year-old Lucy would, would sit in the corner of the pub clutching a colouring book and meticulously keeping tally of all the pints of Guinness her dad was drinking <laughs> and then snitch up to mum when she got home. <laughs> so what is the score, Luce? Is it? Uh, I'm leaving 10-0. Uh, <laughs> uh, one and a half to nothing. There you go. Is that right? And we're on to Liam. Good luck, Liam. Okay. 
I think I've just about managed to find my questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Getting a new appreciation for the, the role of Quizmaster. So I'll start with you, Matt. Um, and again, it has a Nottingham Forest slant. Which Nottingham Forest player did Ethan Ampadu go right through within three minutes of his making his Chelsea debut off the bench in a 5-1 win over Forest in the EFL Cup in September 2017. Okay, so you're asking me to name the recipient of a tackle. <laughs> I mean, you're making a rod for your own backs next year. You really are. If you thought the quizzes were hard previously. Uh, okay, so that was the 5-1, wasn't it? Charlie Misonda scored his uh, only Chelsea goal so far. We put out a reserve team as ever in cup competitions. So who might it have been at that time? If it was, oh, it was probably a striker, if it was Ampadu, because he would have been playing at the back. Who did we have up front in those days? Somebody very unprolific. Uh, ooh, um, what year no, was just, it, Liam? Just go for the nastiest player in that team. September 2017. 2017. Who do we have up front there? What even division were we in? Um, <laughs> Can I can I just give you a little hint that um, yes. going going for a striker is a red herring? Oh right, okay. Uh, You're getting colder. Let's say uh, Matty Cash. Oh, let, no, no, Daniel Luce, Fox. Let oh, Luce could have Sorry. stolen. Never no. even heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Luke, give um, give Matt the, uh, the the chance of a of a bonus here, just because it's it's such a hopeless mismatch. Um, which, which Chelsea player scored a hat trick in that game? Mishy Batshuayi. Mm. Right, one mark to, to Matt. Sorry, <laughs> Luz. <laughs> okay, then. And for Lucy... Let me just get it. Why have I done this? Yeah, I think Bradley Walsh is uh, quaking in his boots, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> a little loose here. Look at a little loose there. Oh, we've got right. a, Dom's got a picture on the Zoom background of uh, Lucy <laughs> at Villa Park. <laughs> This is a combination between like a daytime quiz show and this is your life. (laughs) (laughs) Remarkable. Um, Okay, Lucy. um, Three Chelsea strikers, and by that I mean three strikers while they were at Chelsea, have won the Premier League Golden Boot. Can you name them? No. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Do I get thirds? Um, You get a third of a point for each. Drogba must have won it. Correct. Won it twice, um, in fact. This is a hard question. Premier League. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hasselbank. Yes. Blimey. Wow. Very good. That's two thirds of a point. Locked in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, was I born? Yes, I must have been born. No. Yes, I can guarantee you, you were born. Oh, no, I don't... Uh, uh. I don't okay, I don't have any of the other, so Diego Costa. No, Matt, do you have oh, any ideas? My, yeah, my steal was going to be Diego Costa. See, so who else could it have been during that time? Premier League, Golden Boot. Uh, it's not going to be Torres. Uh, I will say Mark Steen. Oh, gone retro. No. Um, I did predict this would be the most difficult one to get. Nicholas Anelka. Ah. Yeah, we'd have been in here a long time waiting for me to get that. 
So, please, Lucy, please add two thirds of a point <laughs> onto your score. Have I got anything at the moment? A yeah, you got equation. one. Oh, great. <laughs> one and a half plus two thirds. <laughs> Hope someone's got Hang on a minute. <laughs> We're right, on Simon. Infor- Go on, Simon. I'm the enforcer. Right, Matt. I, I may, I may, I may be nicer than this. Uh, I may actually edit this question now uh, <laughs> because it's probably a bit brutal. Um, okay, who scored Forest goals in their last Premier League win over Chelsea? I mean, really? Uh, <laughs> right, I'll definitely edit the question then because I'll give you, I'll give you a clue because I actually went, what was the score and the year as well. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the year was 1997. Yeah, I would have said 97. Was it a 2 0 home win? Correct. Uh, okay, 97. So I will say uh, Brian Roy. No. Uh, can I have three guesses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, go for it. Okay. Because you're not going to get so, them anyway. No, I'm not, am I? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to get one of them, but I'm not, there's one that, you know, is worth a punt. I've given you a massive clue. Stuart Pearce? Correct. Half a point. Uh, and for the other one... No, he scored against Arsenal that season, so it wouldn't have been him. Who else was in that horrible, horrible team of failures that got relegated? So uh, as long as you want, Matt, so I can find Lucy's question. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm thinking... I was thinking about the game against Arsenal, which was Stuart Pearce's first as manager, when Alfinger Haaland and Nikola Yurkan scored. So I'm not going to say it was either of them. Um, but Stop I will trying to go. wow us with superfluous knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I will go for the man who tells lies about Brian Clough, Dean Saunders. I'm afraid not. It's Chris Bart Williams. Oh, he's one of my favourite players as well. What a shame. Oh, well, I'll okay. take the one there. Good the start. lack of stealability of these questions is outrageous. I think I oh, get the moral like... victory as well because I'm not like picking up halves and thirds <laughs> here and there. I'm just going all out for, for whole points. You'll love this one, Luce. It's topical. Uh, the legend that is Frodo Grodas. <laughs> featured in a quiz lately. And your dad's uh, favourite answer. Uh, which of these legendary keepers made the most appearances for Chelsea out of Grodas himself, Marco Ambrosio, Mark Schwarzer, Asmir Begovic or Ross Turnbull? So basically, take a punt. Um... Can you re- can you repeat the options, please? Sure. Uh, so you got Frodo Grodas. Yeah. Ambrosio. Never heard of him. Mark Schwarzer. I've heard of him. Asmir Begovic. Heard of him. And, and Ross Turnbull. <laughs> Ambrosio went off and, and started a custard business. Yeah. Was... <laughs> <laughs> it must be... Well, I don't know Grodas at all. It must be Schwarzer or Begovic... I'm going to go... Because didn't Schwarzer come in for a while because Czech was injured? Champions League semi-final. Now, see, now is he trying to throw me off? He's trying to trick me. <laughs> I'm... I'm sure we don't stall for this long. I'm going to go... <laughs> That's outrageous. Schwarzer. Can we just have a pause Matt. here, Si? Because this is quite a tense moment in this game. Well, I was gonna, I was just totting up the Matt. scores. To steal. Lucy yeah, has two point one six seven, and Matt has one point five. So if Matt steals this, then he claims okay. the victory. Here we go. And Luce I... gets a really rotten Christmas. Careful, Matt. 
Well, I we think still, we still got the Instagram followers follow. <laughs> I think it is, and I'm going to specify. I think he made 13 appearances. I think it's Asmir Begovic. Correct. But I'm yes. going to award. I'm awarding 0.67 points for that. Okay, to take <laughs> us to the tiebreaker. <laughs> to take us to a 1.2.1 point, point. Oh God! To take us to 2.167 each. Going into the tiebreak, Simon, over to you. Right, this is the countdown conundrum. <laughs> and this is pure revenge for one of the one of the worst topics Matt's come up with. Instagram followers. I'll never forget getting that as a question one week. Who is the most Instagram followers out of these forest legends? Lucy, don't worry. It's it's pure lottery. Uh Tobias Figueredo. I hope I pronounced that. Yeah, right. very Joe good. Lolly, Joe Lolly or Lyle Taylor? Okay, I've got my answer. You're both going to say the same thing, aren't you? <laughs> Lucy, you can go first. I'm sporting. Oh, well, this probably is a trick question because Lyle Taylor is very active on social media with his pink hair, but that might be too obvious... Maybe Figueredo is a legend in his own country, so I'm going to say Figueredo. Matt, here you go. I'm going to say Lyle Taylor. Correct, Matt. Oh. He's got 44.4, it sounds like the theme of the quiz, 44.4 Can't believe thousand. you talked yourself out I the right answer. I myself Lisa. out. <laughs> yes, I do, I do that whenever this, this topic is raised. Uh, in case anyone's interested, you Chelsea uh, listeners out there... <laughs> On forest, forest. <laughs> Figure eight has got thirty-four point nine thousand, and Joe Lolly's bringing up the rear on fourteen point four thousand. There you go. We we end a year of Chelsea podcasts in the only way we can with with a discussion about forest legends, social media footprints. <laughs> That's it. Come back next year. Well, what we've learned there is that I know more about Chelsea than I know about Forest. Um, <laughs> That was horrible. I'm not, I'm not sure we'll do any more quizzes next year um, because I, yes, I, it worked. I'm sweating. That was genu- genuinely unpleasant. No, Matt, thank you, do you very know, much for that. Matt, do you know he was in Golf of Forest during uh, John Terry's loan spell for a, a point for next next year's quiz. Oh, Dave Besant. Correct. Ex Chelsea, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's get out of that quickly. Uh, let's do some plugs before we go, please. Uh, Simon, you did a, a Chelsea Q and A for subscribers this week. Yeah. Uh, I asked readers to uh, send in their questions about their hopes and, and perhaps wishes for the January transfer window. And I've just picked a uh, 10 out and answered them the best I could. Um, I don't at this moment expect it to be that busy, but it's Chelsea. So things can change and history shows they do have a knack of, of spending and buying some very important players in, in, in the month of January. It's going to be interesting to see if there is any movement. How about you, Don? What are you going to be working on over the festive period other than, you know, eating food? <laughs> my waistline, yeah. Yeah, I was um, going to say your waistline, but as it came into my head, I thought, that's really rude. I won't say that. So <laughs> I'm eating food, which is, um, yeah, got to do that to live. So, <laughs> um, I I suspect that, that Sai and I will both be um, having to bring forward our how Antonio Conte left Chelsea plans now, now that uh, they've been drilling really? in, the, oh. in the League Cup semi-final. Um, yeah, that's bad news for Sai to break on a podcast. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that and uh, various different transfer features. And we're counting down the days, counting down the days 
not to Christmas, not to New Year, but to Liam's return on the Chelsea beat. Yes, that's next month, isn't it, Liam? You'll be back from paternity leave. As ever, not much has happened in the world of Chelsea FC in the time that you've been away. No, no, it's it's within the next two weeks. So as long as I stay out of COVID protocols, um, I should be should should be back in the game soon enough. Yeah, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad they've still got the same coach as when I left. That was always that was always the aim. Whenever you take a little bit of time off Chelsea, you can never be entirely sure. Careful what you wish for. You never know. You never know. There's still two weeks. Um, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't a subscriber, you really ought to be because uh, the chaps have done some absolutely brilliant content this year. Uh, Sam, before we let you go, listeners to the Totally Football League show, also available from The Athletic, will have been disappointed to hear that you were brought a bacon cob yesterday by your father-in-law, Sans Sauce. Has that issue been addressed and, and how's the uh, the bread sauce preparation going? I think it was it was discussed certainly over dinner last night, but this is it's more or less a non-source family in terms of bacon sandwiches and sausage sandwiches, which has got to be kind of rare. Um, even Louise's mum said she'd never had HP sauce yesterday, which I found incredible, especially given she's from Sunderland. Um, I'm not sure why that's relevant because it has a Parliament sauce, isn't it? But you know, you, you catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> this is now my moment of the year forget Trevor Chaloba this is it we worked um, so hard to get all these listeners over the course of the year and we've lost them all in the course of one podcast Liam's gone <laughs> uh, briefly Simon I've got you pegged as a brown sauce guy for a bacon cob no no no, Ugh, no bro- get out tomato all the way well done for calling it tomato and not red because uh, we had that debate yesterday. People can often fall into that <laughs> trap when talking about red and brown sauce. Uh, listen, if you've made it this far, well done. Uh, <laughs> and, we're, and we're sorry. Uh, we'll be back in 2022. Um, that'll be after the, the Liverpool game, which hopefully will be going ahead and hopefully there'll be people there to watch it. Whatever, we will be back to talk you through the second half of what should be another exciting season for Chelsea. Many thanks for your company today and this year. Thanks to, to Dom, to Simon, to Sam, to Liam and to producer Lucy. We'll catch up with you in 2022. From all of us here though, for now, it's goodbye. The Athletic. <laughs>